0: Hi, this is Captain Sig Hansen from The Deadliest Catch, and you're listening to Iron City Rock. This is Ross Valerie of Journey, and you are listening to Iron City Rock.
1: Hi, this is Wild Mitch Brown, and uh, I'm the drummer for Rockin' and Ted Deidre, and you're listening to Iron City Rock. Hello, all you rockers out there. This is Oni Logan from The Lynch Mob, and you're listening to Iron City Rock.
0: Hi, this is George Lynch. I'm Dawkins, Lee, and you're listening to Iron City Rock.
2: Hello and welcome to episode 114 of the Iron City Rocks Podcast. I'm your host, John. The Iron City Rocks Podcast is a podcast devoted to promoting Pittsburgh's rock, hard rock, heavy metal, and blues music scene. Episode 114, we had the great honor of having George Lynch join us on the show. We will get to that just a little bit later. What we want to start out with is a couple of the uh, most extraordinary instrumental guitarists I've run across in the two and a half years doing this show. Going to start out with an artist named Xander Demos, D E M O S, and his website is XanderDemos.com. It's a track called Right Angles. It was uh, mixed by CJ Snare, who had joined us on the show uh, just a few weeks back. CJ Snare, the singer of Firehouse, uh, talks about this project as well. So we were uh, delighted to get a track from Xander uh, to put on the show. And also, following that up, is a guitarist who had been on the show once before, Don Moore. His website is dawn-more, dot ecom with a single called Alone Inside. And then we're going to play a track from one of our favorites here on the Iron City Rocks podcast, Chip Dimonic with a track called Make You Famous.
3: And Slayer. Promo West North Shore presents Slayer and Rob Zombie together. Saturday, July 23rd, Stage AE Outdoors, doors open at 6 p.m. Double Edge, the king of the corpses, Rob Zombie. A mega meteorological experience with Slayer. Full sets, Saturday night, July 23rd at Stage A.E. Outdoor People of Earth, prepare yourselves. Tickets are on sale now at all Ticketmasters. Charge at one 800 745 or online at Ticketmaster.com. For more info, go to PromoWestLive.com. Produced by Promo West North Shore. the 30th anniversary of the release of their iconic High Infidelity album. September 18th, 7.30 at Trim Total Media Amphitheater at Station Square. All those legendary hits from High Infidelity. And more. Reserved seats are on sale now. At all Ticketmaster locations, Ticketmaster.com or by calling 1-800-745-3000. Presented by Drusky Entertainment and Pittsburgh Concert Group.
2: make you famous from chip daimonic all right up next on the show we have got george lynch Uh, we are pleased to announce that ironcityrocks.com will be presenting the lynch mob at altar bar on august 9th Uh, chip will be one of the bands opening the show that night so that's why we wanted to give you a little taste of chip Uh, george also has a new album coming out in july it's called kill all control and uh, you can get that at uh, myrocketscience.com, I believe is the uh, label. I'm sure you can get it on George's website as well. So, without further ado, we're going to play one of the tracks from that album. This is called Son of Scary, which is actually a take on Mr. Scary, uh, which many of you will remember from the back from the Attack Doc and record. So, Son of Scary, and then we're going to talk to George. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, with great pleasure, I welcome to the show George Lynch. How are you doing today, George?
0: I'm doing great. Great. Hey, I
2: wanted to get in touch with you. You've got an album coming out, uh, kind of middle of July, a uh, solo album called Kill All Control. and wanted to kind of touch base with you and find out a little bit more about the project. Um, maybe you could just give us a little background on how the album came to be.
0: Um, well, it initially started out uh, as a Souls of We record, uh, follow-up to Let the Truth Be Known uh with London McGran, myself, Adrian Ost on drums from Paramount Five Thousand and Nick Speck from a band called Run Run Run.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh and then we also have additional guitar player that we use for uh live, uh, Jimmy Waggle. Okay. And uh, the idea was that, you know, the band has always been sort of a uh um, sort of a pushback to what people generally view me as and what I represent musically, uh coming from my most commercially successful music, which was docking, you know, sure. or maybe the first Lynch Mob record, or the first couple Lynch Mob records. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, of course, in the last couple of decades, I've evolved a little bit, or devolved, however you want to look at it, as a musician and as a, as a person, and and I'm always making music and putting out records, um, mm-hmm. some of which are not well-known, but they're still gratifying. And, and, and um, so, um, and this is one of those records, and it, um, you know, we create music that is important to us and talks about things that are important to us. That's the title.
2: Sure. You know, when, you, when you do these projects, and you had mentioned this starting out as a Souls of We album, um, do you have kind of a vision in your head on how the Souls of We should sound versus the Lynch Mob records? And is that, Or is it just the personnel in the room? Or how did this not end up being a Souls of We album, I guess?
0: Well, a Souls of We did have a defining sort of... Uh, feature and we had a vision for it on the first record um, but as in all the best laid plans uh, things can go sideways so yeah. there's always difficulties with these records uh, most of the time uh, uh, and, and, and which is sometimes welcoming because you, you know music is a mysterious thing and you never know what you're going to get and that's what I love about it so you sort of have to flow with the direction that it takes you and that certainly happened on this record. Uh, things definitely went sideways, which is why it became a George Lynch record and not a Kill- uh, not, uh, mm-hmm. not a Souls I record. Sure. Um, but the general idea with Souls was to have it be more experimental and really uh, uh, not have any rules as far as, uh, you know, we weren't going to be completely out there. We're not going to be Mahavishnu Orchestra right. or Frank Dappa, but... Um, We're not going to be roots music But we might have little elements of a lot of different things That is music that I've been exposed to and care about And I've listened to, you know, over the past 40 years Sure So, you know, sometimes you listen to it and you're kind of like Well, if you're old enough to remember It may remind you of something, you know, back from the late 60s or early 70s And some of those great bands Mm -hmm. Uh, Or it may have hints of some newer stuff You know, there's a little bit of sugar in there Or something, you know, a rhythm or something Kind of go, not, not the song itself, you know, of like that. But you know, might imply something a little heavier with, you know, the, the, the drum tempo or or the, the time signature or the riff or something. So, I really the idea with it is where we're, we're with Doc and Lynch Mob. The music defines us. We define the music. We let the music do the talking. And that's right. what it is. That's a pretty wide. It's not a very narrow vision, but. Um, It is really when you come down to it, when you play with anybody, it's really the chemistry. Sure. Unless you're just reinterpreting a songwriter's song, but we don't work that way. We could any band I've ever been in, we throw ourselves, you know, my friends into a room and we see what happens. Mm -hmm. And that's what this was. Um, But then we had the added uh, either benefit or problem, however you want to look at it, of having to make singer changes all throughout the process. Yeah. And at the end of the day... The record is a, a, a morphing of all these different vocalists that contributed, and so there isn't this one kind of common thread that runs through it. So yeah. when you ask me what the record really was—a revision? Mm. No, I would say it was maybe more of a salvage job. <laughs> <to> <laughs> yeah, I
2: appreciate your honesty, though. Now, I mean, but I, yeah, I know you know from listening to the to the to the record. You know, the first thing I had no liner notes or anything like that to even know it. I'm like, boy, this. This guy kind of sounds familiar. Is Mark Mark Um You know, and you've got a couple other vocalists, uh, Will and uh, Keith, on there as well. Um, how did these guys kind of get into the project? Did you reach out to them?
0: Well, it's all different stories. Uh, Will is somebody I've always wanted to work with. He was in a band called Earshot, which is kind of, people were saying that they were, we shared a label, we were both on Elektra, mm-hmm. and, uh, uh, and I always thought that he was sort of Maynard with Hooks. You know, yeah. From Tool, sure, and um, uh, and he has a great presence. He's very intelligent, he's very well spoken. He's a great frontman, and uh, and I thought, and, and he's sort of a deep thinker. The guy is intelligent, and he, and he thinks about, he thinks before he speaks, unlike a lot of other people I've played with. So
2: <laughs> we, I, won't, I we won't, he, go there. I'm,
0: yeah. I'm always in in this quest for that that other a counterpoint to me, that other side of me, you know, that because I'm not a singer. Mm-hmm. And I'm not really a lyricist. So uh but I have ideas and I have things that I'm passionate about and want my music to speak to. So uh, but I've never had that singer that completes me, so to speak, to use a very horrible phrase, but mm-hmm. um and I always thought that there was a possibility that Will was that. And uh so we joined forces for, you know, six months and uh Got what we got out of it, and mm-hmm. it was interesting, and it was and it was worthwhile, and it was beautiful. I mean, the stuff we came up with, um, but for various other reasons, um, which I care not to get into, sure. it just didn't, uh, you know, we didn't stay together. But, um, you know, that's Hollywood, and, you know, <laughs> yeah. that's the business. It's tough to keep a band together. Uh, and uh, uh, Mark was a replacement for Oni uh, for Lynch Mob. Because okay. he couldn't go to Canada and do the dates in Canada. yeah, so Mark replaced him, and that led to him contributing to the record because we got to know each other. He's a phenomenal singer. he has these kind of gospel al green blues roots and stuff too, which i which I also shared that with him. So we would talk a lot and we said, well, why don't we why don't we come into the studio when we're done with the Canadian tour and work on some of this stuff, which he did. Yeah. and yeah. we used uh, quite a bit of that.
2: Did Mark add anything, and in, in I know his, his, he kind of got his start as a guitarist, Did he? does that bring a little different element into the mix, the fact that he does play?
0: No, no, he's strictly vocalist. Mm-hmm. Okay. He's a really good guitar player, yeah, absolutely. But uh, it's kind of fascinating because usually guys that are good guitar players that are singers or play something else in guitar, want to be recognized as that. And yeah. uh, he let me do my thing, which I think is important. You know, I've got that kind of covered. That's kind of the point of me being in the band.
2: Sure. <laughs> yeah, so, it's your name on the because product. Just
0: can yeah. doesn't mean you have to. Sure. And he got that, which I, he was very respectful in that sense, and I appreciate that. I, on the other hand, like to make everybody happy, and so if somebody has something to offer, I try to be very democratic sure. about everything, and well, in fact, insist on that. So, if you have something to bring to the table, absolutely bring it if it makes it a better you know, physically have a better result. If, you know, even with song ideas, I mean, you know, I'm not, the, you know, I come up with the bulk of the stuff, but, uh, you know, it's, I'm, I'm always asking people, you know, you got anything. What about here? You got an idea? You got something you could bring to the table? And uh, so um, if anybody wants to make a contribution, I mean, we, we never say no, you can't because that's not your job. <laughs> sure.
2: Now, one of the songs that obviously jump off the record, I think for anybody who's followed your career is Son of Scary. Um I guess the, the obvious question is, why now? What what kind of prompted you to v- revisit that
0: all these years later? Uh, well, I, you know, back in the Dawkins days, I was a big champion of, you know, all for one, one for all. I was really about equitable equitable splits, and that was really the struggle, internal struggle with the band. And I was basically the mouthpiece and the pushback to Don, who wanted the lion's share of everything for all the wrong reasons. And, uh, and uh, I was really the one sort of, you know, the biggest proponent of keeping things equal. And uh, so, you know, I wrote "Scary." Obviously, I wrote it myself, but they, you know, being that kind of guy, I said, "Well, you know, we all share in this because you know we all contribute in our own way." And it's, well, you know, I don't want to have one guy drive up in a Ferrari and another guy drive up in a in a Ugo and start having resentment on stage, and then all the stuff starts happening. Sure. You know. You know, bad feelings and, and jealousy and greed and all these things enter into it. We're a family and we're friends, so let's keep things on an even playing field. And, uh, that came back to bite me in the ass because I didn't realize when I did that that I was giving up control of the songs as yeah. well. Yeah. And so when Guitar Hero approached me a few years ago and wanted to add that song to Guitar Hero, um, Everybody was fine with it. We would have split up the money, you know, quarter splits to all four guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, Don and his camp, meaning his lawyer, who is actually his guitar player, decided to inundate Guitar Hero's legal department with all this uh, noise. Ouch. Uh, and scared guitar player away. Uh, and, and the 11th Tower, they just said, this is getting too ugly. Uh, we can't touch this. And that was their point. That's what they did. They didn't really like to stand on, and they would have benefited from it, but they didn't want Don really doesn't want to see me benefit from anything. If he can prevent it, he will, even if it costs him money. Mm-hmm. So uh, that sort of angered me. So, I, I, well, I, that kind of goes against everything I believe in. So I'm going to just rewrite the song, and uh, which I did with Fred Curry, mm-hmm. uh, and we wrote Some of Scary," and uh, and uh, the irony is that that after we finished that, uh, Guitar
2: Hero had gone out of business. <laughs> he finally got in there. I have to maybe try to salvage it with rock well, I guess
0: Don gets the last laugh, huh? <laughs> well,
2: yeah. I, don't know, I don't know about that. It can uh, stick to an antivirus commercials, maybe. Um,
0: yeah, the, uh, the record.
2: <laughs> did, you, um, did you produce this album, or did you work with an external producer?
0: I didn't work with an external producer. This, this record was done on a shoestring, okay. self-funded as many of my records have been uh, mm-hmm. in the last you know, decade or two. Uh, but, uh, um, and I honestly don't know what a producer does in the context of what we do. Sure. Um, other than being a, a manager, uh, you know, of organization, and things yeah. like that, which is very helpful and could have been a wonderful thing to have, but uh, wasn't in the budget. So um, I would say that we, it was self-produced, uh, I guess. Um, Right. You know, I guess there's maybe two kinds of producers. The kind of guys that come in and take control, and they can write songs, and they, uh, you know, they're, they're engineers, and they're in charge of the sonic quality and the direction of the of everything. You know, from 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 A to Z, from nuts to bolts. You know, and, and uh, or from soup to nuts. I mean, the guy, you know, those kind of producers, global producers that really get roll up their sleeves and get down there and and run the ship. Mm-hmm. Then there's guys that just kind of sit around and on the phone and uh, busy talking to their agent about their next gig. Yeah, and they bark, you know they, they'll, they'll push the button and say I it sounds a little out of tune here or there you know yeah while oh, they're drinking wine and doing coke and you know thinking about where they're going to go to take their family on vacation this year sure so um, we had neither one of those so yeah he
2: really didn't need need the second one certainly
0: <laughs> yeah and I've had a few of those so um and they get paid extraordinary amounts of money and uh, which I think is unfair I think for our kind of the kind of band that I play in we're self-produced. I mean, we, we write our own songs, we, we kind of dictate our own direction. Uh, we deal with all the organization, the logistics on our own, mm-hmm. and I like that. You know, cause it know, keeps us a little closer to keeps the music a little closer to our test and in the control.
2: Do you uh, think? Do you think that's one of the keys? I mean, I've noticed over the last, say, decade, you have had a a considerable amount of releases and work. Do you think maybe cutting out some of that bureaucracy helps you produce records more in the fashion of the bands did in the 80s where you're kicking out an album every year?
0: Well, I mean, don't get me wrong. Having the right person in charge is a beautiful thing because it can streamline things. You can bring things in on budget. Uh, you, can get a, you can sidestep a lot of problems and landmines and obstacles. Um. That would be wonderful, um, but um, and and to say that we are more efficient because we don't have a producer, I wouldn't say that history would reflect that either. Because the first Souls of Wee record took five years. Yeah. This Kill All Control record we intended to do in five weeks and took two years. Okay. All kinds of us, you know, just things went sideways and haywire. And uh, making these records is 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 torturous, you know, sometimes. And that's probably because we don't have a producer. Is one of the reasons, um, uh, you know, tracks get lost, uh, things shift from one studio to the other, things go away, and uh, you, you lose focus. And then you know, we have, then when things sort of bog down, you have know, member changes, and and then then the finances, and just on and on and on. You know? Yeah. And this person has to go on tour, and you're not on the same time schedule originally intended to be, so now yeah, you can't finish the record, or you have to replace it. You know, these are monumental challenges, and and trying to keep yourself sane, and keep the thing on budget, and keep it moving forward, and keep breathing oxygen into the shard so it doesn't die. Yeah, yeah. Records are very can be very painful to make, and uh, yeah. whether it's a vanity record you're making in your bedroom, or uh, you know a million dollar record for a superstar, it's yeah. difficult.
2: Yeah, there's a lot more that goes into it than knowing what mode you want to solo in. People have
0: no idea, no yeah. idea. <laughs> the no. easiest thing is to play guitar and write songs. I yeah. can do that blindfolded in my sleep. Mm-hmm. It's everything else. It's all the other ninety percent of what my energies go towards is the other stuff. Yeah, and it's part of it, and I'm not saying it's it's an, it's an unwelcome part of it. It just is part of it. Yeah, yeah that,
2: it just is. that's the work part of it. It would um, be
0: nice if I could focus more on the part that people want to hear rather than yeah, you know, absolutely.
2: But, um, if if my math is correct, you've now been with ESP for. 25 years. Um, do you want to talk a little bit about what's made that relationship so special?
0: Um, yeah, they're family to me. I mean, I, I was with them, uh, I believe, I uh, started in 86. Mm-hmm. And I was sort of just, you know, Daken was achieving success and notoriety. And, you know, and having a guitar company involved with you was kind of a new concept, something I was exploring with my guitar tech and we were, I, mean, I, was, I was always kind of building and guitars on my own or going to the local guys here, you know, out at Charvel and just hanging out with Grover for days and, and then out at Mighty Might and different builders I knew and then just wood shedding. And I used to assemble my own guitars and guitars for my guitar students at Uzonia, And that's how to supplement my income was to build guitars, mm-hmm. uh, really not build guitars, but, but build them together. But I learned a lot about them and, uh, then I remember I got approached by Area. Um, it was the first first thing I ever got for free. It was an endorsement I knew nothing about, what that meant. But I was so excited that you know it was on a picture and it was in a catalog mm-hmm. and they gave me a guitar. They gave me acoustic guitar and like a guitar both, which were horrible instruments, but I played them anyways on tooth uh, and nail because mm-hmm. I was so excited I had and I wanted to you know make sure that I played them. I think I played, like, uh, well, um, I played Alone again. I used their acoustic guitar, and um, and Heaven Comes Down, I played uh, one note on the electric guitar. <laughs>
2: you don't have to <laughs> so remove the it. It's going
0: crossbones on it that's on the back of the record. Yeah. And uh, then um, that kind of led me to Kramer, and uh, I was sort of playing the Berettas for a little while, but I really didn't like the Berettas, but I thought maybe they could build me something that was more, like, more than I liked. Mm-hmm and uh we had a meeting with them in new jersey which is a whole other story which is pretty funny but um uh my 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 tech matt masindora and myself and uh they said well well basically we can't do any of that but all we get most of our stuff from this company called esp who can do anything so then we went to japan on tour and we met with esp and there's all these you know japanese guitar scientists and lab coats and stuff (laughs) and we designed the Kamikaze in one afternoon and uh been with them ever since, and, um, you know, uh, and it was rough for the company for the first whole bunch of years. I mean, they were, you know, not profitable and may not have continued in, exi- in existence, and I worked really hard with them, you know, coming up with the signature models, doing the clinic tours and, and the marketing and, you know, just really down in the trenches with them, and... Company turned around in a huge way, obviously. They're, yeah. And they're very successful now, and uh, Matt, the, 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 my tech at the time, is now president of the company. I oh, that's cool. Shop yeah, and I have a shop there. Um, he Matt is uh, the best man at all four of my weddings. Uh, he's the godfather to all my children, and we're deep personal friends. And and uh, you know, so I'm they're, they're they're friends and family, and I have a lifetime commitment to the company, and uh, it's just a beautiful. Symbiotic relationship. Yeah. And uh, they've even given me the liberty of building my own guitars.
2: Yeah, do you want to talk a little bit about the Mr. Scary? um, How you find time time to do those? I mean, let alone, you know, the skill involved.
0: Well, you sleep less. And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, when you're passionate about something, you definitely find time. Mm -hmm. If it's something you have to do that you don't really want to do, you know, then you're too busy. But, I mean, when I got an idea for a guitar or an idea for a song or or, or like this shadow train project i'm doing um i, I you know dude, so i don't sleep as much if i've got to do a little some more work i do it i find time because it's got to get done you know yeah it's important so did you so I have a vision for these guitars that kind of come out of the desert and i have all this history of of building mm-hmm. and building with some of the best guys in the world because i don't pre- profess to be a a luthier by any means but you know i have a vision about what these guitars are and i do make them myself to a large extent i do not mill my own necks um but i do wind my own pickups oh i do all the carving myself i do all the burning the painting uh i do the assembly um um the the inlays um you know all the accoutrements and all the the uh, cosmetics you know the painting the firing the spraying uh, the design you know I do that I, I was a draftsman so I draft all this stuff out but okay. I don't do I don't do CAD drawing or anything like that mm-hmm. so I take it to my buddy who then puts it into his drawing program and, and draws it correctly with the right dimensions and um, you know so I'll get help but um, these are hands-on instruments I, I, I deal with them from uh, from A to Z and um you know, in my backyard. Sometimes there was actually a couple days up here where we couldn't get into the shop because it was a weekend. I had to finish a couple of guitars, and I have my guy that, that helps me, uh, you know, works by my side and you know with the carving and stuff. And I couldn't work in my studio because it's too much stuff, so I worked in my backyard yeah. in this little this palapa thing I built by my pool. And it snowed that day. We had four inches of snow, and we worked in the snow with heaters and gloves for two straight days. And I did a video on it, which I'm going to post on my, uh, Mr. Scary Guitar's website that's, you know, I'm, I'm talking about it. And you see the snow falling around and we're in this little cheeky hut <laughs> with, with all the routers and the tools and the paint and everything and we're actually building this stuff. While the snow is coming down, I was like, Gibson doesn't do this. Sender won't do this. No. We, we do this because we give a shit. You know?
2: Yeah, you don't see that on the custom shops' websites too much where you are out there in the snow. No, those uh,
0: guys are a bunch of pussies. They got <laughs> buildings and heaters and shit. They have oh, kind of
2: that. Probably adequate yeah. ventilation and dust collection. All yeah,
0: that stupid shit you don't need. Yeah.
2: Exactly. Uh, if I could just indulge you in one quick uh, technique question I noticed uh, you. Hold the pick, uh, with your, the other three fingers extended a lot. Um, and that's, I don't see that a lot in guitar plays. I noticed that Randy Rose did that. Was that something you just did because it feels correct to you, or is that something you did intentionally?
0: Well, in anything I do in my playing, uh, it was, it was all just a happy accident. I mean, I never thought about it, you know. Uh, I didn't sit down one day and go, well, see, how should I hold the pick? It just sort of happened. I think mm-hmm. initially, when I was very young, I was trying to get this kind of uh, attack on the pick, and felt I could get it side, holding the pick sideways, better than straight on. Mm-hmm. And and the finger extension was kind of a counterbalance thing, probably unconsciously. And uh, you know, I couldn't play any other way now. I just kind of you know, yeah, i into my style.
2: I'll shamelessly admit that I saw you do that in a circus magazine when I was a kid learning to play, and I thought, that's the way to do it, and I still do it to this day, and I'll see pictures of guys like Ace Frehley and stuff that are almost doing it with a fist, and it feels so weird to hold a pick that way.
0: Yeah. Well, listen, I mean, there's lots of paths up to the mountain. Mm-hmm. Certainly is. uh, uh, You know, I I watch guys that with their sweet picking and alternate picking, their precise machines that that I I could never do that, Mm -hmm. And, and so... But there's a lot of limitations into the built into the style that I've adopted, mm-hmm. and uh, this allows me from doing a lot of things I wish I could do, and uh, so it, it's sort of a, a two-sided coin, and sure. um, um, you know, it's got, it has its advantages. I think its main advantages that it allows me to have a certain unique style, possibly that, uh, that and that's a very important, mm-hmm. rather than just be able to play everything. Sure. <laughs> I wanted to actually mention. Uh, yes. Yeah. Shadow Life project. Oh, I'm no
2: also, problem. Yeah, I'll... I'll Shadow I'll, Train.
0: I'm sorry, Shadow Life was just record. Yeah. Shadow Train it's is the not
2: project that, that I'm it.
0: doing. Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a band called Shadow Train, and it's made up of, like, a Native Americans, uh, and an ex-Vietnam vet, and a, and a hippie dude, and we travel throughout the Southwest, and up to the Dakotas, in this old broken-down station wagon. Pulling a horse trailer, a 1948 horse trailer, which is we pull our equipment in, our generators, and our solar panels in. Okay. And we and we basically visit Indian reservations and share music with the Indians. They're part of the band. And it's all pure improv. There's no structure, there's no songs. And um, we also are working on getting uh, celebrity types involved that, that care about these issues, the Native mm-hmm. American issues, and larger issues. And uh, people we're talking to are like, uh, from Chili Peppers who would play, you know, fuzz tone, uh, trumpet, you know, acid jazz, uh, where Bobby Robertson is hundred percent native and, and speaks to these issues in his music. Mm-hmm. He's very active in that, in that world. And, um, Serge from System and, uh, Tom from Rage and a few others. And, uh, you know, and, and in the course of this, this is a documentary as well for the documentary channel. And in the course of making this, we, we, we interview, uh, a variety of people, uh, pirate radio on Native American reservations. The initial release is going to be only released to pirate radio. Okay. Not traditional radio. And, um, and we talk about those issues, you know, uh, the airwaves, uh, the FCC. Um, um, uh, we, inter- we've already interviewed, uh, uh, former occupiers of Alcatraz. Okay. And we have a telephonic interview with 100 Pulteer from prison. Uh, some of the American, uh, Trudell, you know, one of the biggest leaders of the American Indian movement. And, um, BIA officials and government officials, and and we, and we talk about all kinds of things: spirituality, land rights, a better way forward. You know, and it's a movie that hopefully discusses options for a better way forward and lays out a manifesto or a platform for that. And uh, so it's a, it's a pretty involved project, and we're working on it mm-hmm. this year and uh, into next year.
2: Do you have uh, any... it's
0: down track as well?
2: Do you have an idea when uh, or any kind of release schedule for that?
0: We're very far away from that. We, we okay. don't even start real production until April, next April. So okay. We're in the initial stages of of um, pulling it all together. We have done some performances, and we've you know, done a lot of research, and we've done interviews and uh, narration and things like that. And this, this is much more difficult than just a record.
2: You know? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, we it's we a world
0: we... of ideas that we're dealing with here. And, and that cohesion that we don't have on some of my records we have to have on this so we have a producer
2: and <laughs> <laughs> broke down, I got one for this one
0: uh, well no we have this very we have a very passionate crew of people and it's such a beautiful idea that people have just been throwing on board because they care Is there a, is wonderful
2: any, anywhere online that people can get more information about the project as a whole
0: um, very soon there will okay. be a Lydia shadow Train website yeah that's being worked on right now yeah. uh, I just came home last night from, uh, I was out all week in uh, certain parts of the desert up here in the southwest, and we were filming um, the band. Okay. And we were playing in a couple of little towns, uh, one called Keeler, which is a half of a ghost town. Or, uh, it's unbelievable. And, and this other one called Darwin, which is up by Death Valley. Okay. And uh, just amazing, I mean, the people you meet and, and where every person you meet leads to something else. And all these ideas just, and they're artists and they're the ham radio and powder radio operators and all these kind of leftover people that are invisible that really care about stuff and they're mm-hmm. passionate about it and the natives of course and and, and you know it, it, and and just the just the world of ideas that that you can uh, uh, just sit there and listen to so mm-hmm. we'll be driving along in this old vehicle through the desert and talking about these things and capturing that on film that's that's great and then these people come out of the woodwork in these little towns but help' Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, they've got this little concert going on, you know, during this raging storm out in the desert in this forgotten little dusty place in the side of the world, you know. It's yeah. just beautiful. It's fascinating. So, yeah, it, it
2: sounds incredibly awe-inspiring. I mean, it's, as a musician, you've got to be able to draw a lot from that kind of energy.
0: Oh, man. When you're playing, I mean, we, as I said, we do pure improv music. We don't know what we're going to do. We get up there and we just go for it. Mm-hmm. And as we we're, were playing this one performance on Wednesday out in this reservation property, and it's just single wides and sagebrush and and a big storm came in the mountains are in the background the storm came in and just blew the fuck out of the whole set because we've got these big kind of pee pee poles with these you know pirate flags and native american flags and anarchy flags and all kinds of bones and skulls and stuff all streaming in the wind and the whole thing came crashing down in the middle of the crescendo (sighs) performance it was unbelievable We couldn't have designed this on a hollywood set i mean
2: yeah, you, you uh, get f- everything
0: shattered. It missed us. Nobody got killed. No equipment got killed in the making of this film, but it came real close. And we didn't miss a beat. We were so engrossed in the moment mm-hmm. that we didn't even realize it had happened. Everything was crashing down around us. It was pretty fascinating. Yeah, it sounds. Yeah,
2: did, did anybody get that on film by chance?
0: Yes, I did. Oh, excellent. We're mm-hmm. looking for that. <laughs>
2: At least we can maybe hope for that. If it doesn't make the if it doesn't make the documentary, maybe we can see that on YouTube at some point. That sounds really cool. It'll
0: definitely make the documentary. That was the highlight of the day. Are you kidding me? Yeah. There's an analogy there somewhere which we have to explore. Yeah. You know, the right. crumbling of the machine. So there's something new can emerge. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent, George.
2: Great. Um, anything else you want to touch on? I think we're good. George, thank you so much. It's been a real honor talking to you.
0: Thank you too. All, All right, right, you, you take, take care. care. No problem. Bye bye.
1: The unmistakable
2: sound
4: of the Goo
1: Goo Dolls. I just want you to know July 27th, 6 p.m. Doors, Stage they AE are outdoors. Are outdoors. Playing all the hits as well as songs from the new album, Something for the Rest of Us. The one and only Goo Goo Dolls. With special guests, Michelle Branch. You're Parachute July 27th 6pm Doors, Stage AE Outdoors Tickets are on sale now at all Ticketmaster locations charge by phone at 800-745-3000 or online at Ticketmaster.com For more information visit PromoWestLive.com The Goo Goo Dolls with special guests Michelle Branch and Parachute For more information stop by Goo Goo Dolls.com Don't miss your chance to see the Goo Goo Dolls. Brought to you by Promo West North Shore. Their
3: musical legacy spans over four decades. The Doobie Brothers. In concert, August 18th, 7.30 at Total Media Amphitheater at Station Square. From all those sing-along classics to music from their new hit CD, World Gone Crazy. Reserve seat tickets are on sale now at all Ticketmaster com, or call
2: 1-800-745-3000. Presented by Drusky Entertainment and Pittsburgh Concert Group. All right, a giant thanks goes out to George Lynch for joining us on the show again. IronCityRocks.com and Drusky Entertainment present the Lynch Mob Alter Bar August 9th. That is a 21 and up show. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, Chip Dimonic will be on the bill as well that night so you can go to ironcityrocks.com find out more information you can follow us on facebook uh... twitter both of which were just iron city rocks and uh... get all this information up to date also keep an eye on our contest page we still have a few open contests we have uh... tickets to see a monomarth and the goo goo dolls still available and uh... i know for a fact we will be running some sort of giveaway related to the lynch mob show so Be sure to check, uh, especially Facebook and Twitter, if you want to get up to the minute information. Uh, And I want to thank you all for taking the time out of your day to listen. Take care.